Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel, a cerebral beverage. You can get 30% off by using the code LIFO30, L-I-F-O-3-0 at brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com. And again, thanks to Brain Fuel for their support. And let's get in the zone for this episode. start with Andy. So, you know, I, I, he's a- Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with co-host Andy Dolich. Episode 275, here with Tracy Ellis Ward, uh, Senior Associate Commissioner and Chief Diversity Inclusion Officer at the Big East. And um, Tracy, really excited to have you on. I have to have to mention that you are a Bobcat as well. Uh, we've had many Bobcats on the podcast, but, um, you know, you certainly... Are, are up there in terms of um, the ranks. And, and I know we're going to have a lot to talk about as it relates to your journey, your career path, um, and much more. So nonetheless, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. And it's a pleasure to be here. And it's always a good company to be around other Bobcats. It's always great, Tracy, to say we are a band of Bobcats, sisters and brothers forever um on on the earth right because we're everywhere that's right global global the green the green green uh bible goes goes all over um tracy although tracy you just brought up a point um you know elon musk um is going to the moon he's going to a lot of places but he's going to the moon and he's got this uh, project with St. Jude, which I had done a lot of work with and still involved with at, in Memphis, St. Jude Children's Hospital. And he's sending a four-person crew to the moon, and three of those people are just regular citizens. And they're doing this to raise money for St. Jude. Um, wow. And I was just thinking that we... Ohio University should be on the next flight because as the number one program, you know, at any place, we need to have uh, at least a chapter on tranquility base. So I'll take care of that in my spare time. Okay. There you go. You, you probably got more spare time than I do, Andy. Go for it. <laughs> Tracy, send, us a, send us a postcard. It might, it might. Uh, I will. I'll send you a postcard for my favorite crater. <laughs> Tracy, let's let's get to it in terms of your journey and career path. Um, you spent quite a bit of time in college athletics, even at the NBA office. Um, just a little bit of that zigzag for you, and and what you've been able to accomplish thus far. Yeah, thanks, Jake. And as you mentioned, my career has been a, um, somewhat of a zigzag. It wasn't linear, uh, so to speak. I just um, wasn't on a college track and wasn't necessarily on a pro track, but really because of Ohio University, I came across just great opportunities and stepped into each one of them uh, wherever it led me. But started out obviously as a former student athlete. Um, I played at University of Mizzou, um, had a great experience there, uh, went on to uh, graduate and said, hey, you know, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life? You know, had an art degree, I had no intentions of being a starving artist. So uh, went back to school uh, and start working on my master's in journalism. And at that time, worked for um, the morning paper in Columbia, Missouri, 
uh, loved that opportunity. It was a great chance for me to hone my writing skills. Um, however, it was a morning paper, which meant that um, there were a lot of 1 a.m. deadlines uh, so that that paper could be on somebody's front porch at six. So I was like, I don't know about, you know, working for a morning paper. And then I came across the NCA internship opportunity. And at that point in time, they were located in uh, Kansas City area, uh, right down the road. So I applied and uh, lo and behold, um, got an internship and I was the second class of interns that they ever had. So I go way back to the inaugural years of their internship program. And I had a great experience there. I met a lot of people, a lot of Bobcats, and just started to network and ask people, you know, how do you really get into the industry? And um, some said, well, you need to go back to get, get your master's. Others said, you know, just keep plowing ahead and, you, you know, you've got your foot in the door already. But as I began to research, um, obviously came across Ohio University and being an Ohio native, it made sense for me to kind of come back home. So really, you know, that's how I got my foot in the door. Uh, and like I said, once I graduated from OU, every opportunity that I've had in sports has really been because of the network. Started out, um, at um, Michigan State was my first job in sports um, at a newly created position, rose pretty quickly there in the ranks and left as an assistant AD uh, within seven years and then went to the WNBA um, in the inaugural years when the league was really big with 16 teams, had a great experience there working under um, the leadership of Val Ackerman uh, for five years. And actually while I was in New York at that time, I lived through 9-11. Um, so as, Sometimes people call it a midlife crisis, just certain things happen in our lives that, that trigger you to ponder, you know, is this what I really want to do with the rest of my life? So I did a lot of soul searching and uh, actually left MDA and uh, started working for Fellowship for Christian Athletes, uh, which was based out of Kansas City. But I was um, housed obviously still in New York. So I was in charge of the New York City territory. So did that for a couple of years. Um, it was a lot different picking up the phone saying, you know, will you give me money because it was, you know, fundraise based versus saying, you know, this is Tracy Ellis Ford from the NBA versus this is Tracy Ellis from FCA. So I found out who my true friends were at that point in time. Um, but it was a great experience to, to go from nonprofit um, to pro. So I've kind of had the college experience, nonprofit and collegiate. And so from there, um, you know, had some life transition, uh, ended up moving to Spokane, Washington of all places. And you know, some three thousand miles away, and worked for a mom and pop organization, and did uh, was their vice president for women's basketball, and did their sports leadership ministry uh, for a few years. Then transitioned to Gonzaga, uh, also in Spokane, big basketball school, and um, served as their director of their multicultural education center. So at that point in time, I got out of athletics again. So it was an opportunity to get back on a campus, um, kind of see a more holistic approach to higher ed and uh, stayed out there really until my uh, youngest graduated from high school because um, so I wanted him to have a little bit of st stability uh, versus me moving around. And then lo and behold, I was like, okay, I'm ready to jump back into sports. And so uh, left there after about five years, transitioned to University of Massachusetts Lowell, who at that time was uh, transitioning from a D2 school to a D1. And they were looking for folks with division one experience, um, hired there as a senior associate, stayed, loved that job, Was had every intention of staying there for quite a while because at that time my son was right down the road at Harvard. So it was an easy road trip to catch games. And uh, Val Ackerman. Let's, oh, I, hold on a second. Let's, yeah. let's, uh, 
have a little bit of uh, time to let that sink in, right? We're, you mentioned that really yeah, quickly. So that, that is an absolute positive for the way that your son was raised, okay? So that's uh, pretty impressive. Congratulations on that. Well, thank you. He actually has two degrees, so I'm a proud mom. Two degrees from Harvard, so. And um, on his way to Stanford Law School here uh, this fall, so I can't. Oh, if he ever needs any help out here, Stanford's 15 minutes away from me, and one of my daughters teaches there, so not a problem, right? It's yeah. always good to have multiple degrees from schools that end in D, starting <laughs> Stanford and Harvard, right, Tracy? Yeah. Hey, that's correct. D is for degrees, right? I mean, yeah. you know. So um, from there, I. Um, went, you know, lo and behold, Val called me um, and said, hey, would you ever consider coming back to New York? And, you know, how do you say no to Commissioner Ackerman? And so I, I transitioned back to New York and have been working at the Big East ever since. Tracy, it, from a zigzag perspective, many would look at your career path and kind of ask the question of, well, why did you get out of sports and why did you go back in? There had to have been an aha moment at some point. Uh, right. It, for you to make those decisions and then when you were out of sports kind of the the void right that it might have left for you even though you were pursuing something different can you talk a little bit about that experience and those transitions yeah well one of my main transitions for um getting out of pro and going into more of a sports ministry was just purely personal again i think it for me at that point in time in my life it was more fulfillment about giving back uh, to the industry in a different way and ironically, all of my relationships that I had with the NBA really helped me in that role. I ended up being a chaplain for uh, the New York Liberty. I was a chaplain for a couple of college teams, and actually a couple of college men's basketball teams uh, in the New York City area. So it, did, it just opened up different doors for me, um, that aspect. Uh, later on, when I actually transitioned out of sports, it was due to um, a family tragedy. Actually, my husband died suddenly. Uh, I had two kids to raise. And I had to figure out, okay, am I going to stay in New York uh, on a fundraise salary and raise two kids? And ultimately, I want them to go to college. I had to really also make a personal decision to pivot to something more stable in terms of an income. So um, again, because of networking and this, the relationships I had built over the years, um, the Spokane move, which again, would have never been on my radar, was a result of somebody that I worked with at Michigan State. Um, this person used to be the associate AD for marketing, and he and his family lived um, in Spokane, and he said, come here, start over. He was on the board of this mom and pop organization. He says, we will create a position for you. So again, that's the power of networking and really making solid relationships when you're in the industry and people know who you are and what you can bring to the table. So, you know, again, um, I feel really blessed to have had different opportunities, but all of it has been based on relationships and who you know. And uh, the fact that my work spoke for itself and people knew what I could bring to them. Tracy, you touched on two points that we that pretty much come up in every single one of the discussions. The family of who we're associated with in business uh, and the family that is closest to us, our nuclear family. And as you know, the, the cosmetics of working in sport can lead you down paths that maybe aren't the most brilliant to follow. Um, and we've heard from many people in terms of those life decisions. You know, mm -hmm. you've had 
you've had a tragedy in your life that there's no way you can deal with that other than dealing with it in the most mature faith-based way possible. And sometimes people get attached to the cosmetics of the mm. sports part of it and they lose their way. So it, it is, it, I, it's such a positive in terms of hearing people speak about, you know, teamwork, leadership, trust, and most importantly, faith, whatever your faith is, right? right. It doesn't yeah. have to be one thing, but you have to have faith in something because there are going to be times that there are no simple answers, no matter how big your network is, right? And the decision is Tracy Ellis Ward needs to make this decision. Yeah, I'll get input, but I have to make it. Yeah, and I can't tell you how many people had lots of advice, but you got to have a firm foundation um, to be able to pivot, whether it's a tragedy or even, you know, a job loss. I mean, you know, in our industry, you know, a lot of these jobs are at will. I mean, you can get fired for absolutely no reason and, <laughs> yeah. and you got to move on to the next gig, right? So it, it's all about um, really having perspective and a lot of self-reflection and you got to know what your core values are in terms of moving on and being with the right organizations. Well, Jake's just a puppy and he's got a bunch of business cards. Tracy, you and me, if we're at the table, uh, we got him beat big time. And, and we'll talk We'll talk about that later. One other point that, that jumps out is the, the quality of people in the industry. You know, you mentioned Val's name twice. I've been lucky enough to know her. And just those that many people around the country wouldn't know their name and wouldn't know what they've done. And uh, with Rick Welts just announcing his retirement and all the media here in the Bay Area, um, they have given great credit to Val and the WNBA and David Stern and Adam. But you had firsthand, what, what distinguishes in your view, you've been around a lot of leaders, mm. but in your view, for the people that are listening, what stands out? as those that can really deliver on teamwork, leadership, and trust? Yeah, and, and I, that's a great question, Andy. I think for me, in, in my observation over the years, because I've had some great supervisors and I've had some that are not so great, right? <laughs> and so you, you take the good with the bad and you learn from it and you, you add that to your toolbox so that you're a better manager, you know, perhaps in the, the one you had before. But, you know, when I think specifically about the great ones, I would say authenticity. Um, stands out to me the most. Um, you know, Val has seen me at the top of my game um, and at the bottom of my game. You know, again, when I had my family tragedy, she showed up to, to the funeral. You know, that was um, hugely impactful for me, you know, knowing that she cared enough about me to, you know, walk with my family during that particular journey in my life. Um, and so I think, you know, the opportunity to be able to be transparent, um, have conversations about when you disagree with perhaps an organizational decision, but yet and still when you walk out of that room, you guys are still on the same page. Um, you know, being able to speak your truth uh, in meetings um, and being inclusive uh, in terms of who's at the table. Um, I think all of those for me uh, really make great leaders. Trace, I'm sitting here thinking about what you've been able to accomplish and then you sit and think well what what else is left you know for tracy to do what what's you know the, if this year hasn't thrown you enough challenges i don't know what will but you mentioned your experience you going hear about now. the big east opening up on the moon jake you haven't 
still gonna hurt. No, them. I. Andy, you have to get there first. Yeah, no. I, there's a lot of people that think I'm in outer space, Tracy. So it's not a problem. Tracy, you mentioned you went through 9/11 and what that did for you from a perspective standpoint. Can you compare for us that that experience going through 9/11 and then going through COVID and and I mean we're not out of this yet, but but going through what this last year plus has been. And how mindsets have maybe shifted, not only for yourself, but people around you that you work with? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a complex question. I think for me, you know, 9-11 obviously was just gut-wrenching, right? I mean, just being in the heart of the city, uh, you, we knew a lot of families that obviously were impacted by that. Um, but again, I think in that moment in time, it's a flash to really think, okay, is this you know, is this my journey? Is this all there is to life, right? Because it can be gone in an instant, you know, every time you get on a plane or, you know, can get hit by a car, like anything, you just realize how instantaneous and how um, precious life is in those kinds of moments. I think for me with COVID, um, I think the, the difference in that kind of feeling, I mean, there obviously there was a loss in both instances, but I think for me, the COVID experience has been so far removed because we haven't had any interaction. I mean, we've been working remotely for over a year. Like the last time, the first time I saw Val since last March was this March. So we hadn't seen each other in a whole, in person, I should say, in the flesh for a whole year. And we're still working remotely. So I do think, you know, a lot of alone time also makes you self-reflect, right? And um, figure out really how disciplined you are and how much you either love or don't love your job. Um, because, you know, there's some people who work remotely for it, they're not as productive. Um, and so I think there's a mental health component to both, you know, experiences that um, test your mettle and figure out really who you are. Yeah, I, you know, as you were <clears throat> explaining that, um, I always think in this uh, circumstance, you have that inner voice in some places It might be sitting next to you on the couch or in your den or your office, speaking to you a lot more than it might be if you're in an office with 30 or 300 people. Yeah. And that discussion can be very valuable. It can also be, excuse me, I heard that before. I got it now. I'm busy. Uh, talk to me later. Tracy, from a, from a standpoint of college athletics and your experience, you know, not only seeing a division two go to a division one, um, but also early on at Michigan state and kind of just the different levels and the different maturation of college athletics as a whole up to now, um, where, where are the biggest challenges for, where you sit and, and what you're trying to accomplish at a conference as opposed to a school? Oh, that's a great question. I think, you know, from a conference level, probably the biggest challenge is, is getting um, all the member schools on the same page, <laughs> um, which is much like a head coach trying to get, you know, everybody on the team on the same page, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and everybody not having their own agenda. Uh, so I think that's the challenge of any of co conference life, whether it's, you know, the, the NBA, you know, the NBA and getting, you know, all 30 plus teams on the same page in terms of moving in a, in a direction. I think that's probably the biggest challenge um, in the college space at the conference level. Um, and schools have so many challenges that they're dealing with, whether it's financial, um, you know, the NIL legislation is coming and that's going to change the landscape for, for a lot of student athletes and how they do business. Um, and so I think 
the precipice uh, with college, I think, I don't think college athletics as we know it, or as, as we have known it is gonna be the same in the next five to seven years. I think you're gonna see some huge reforms um, because of it all bought out because of what the athletes want and are demanding right now. Yeah, and, and we've talked a lot. Um, I'm a big believer in the new different, not that it's wrong, but it's right. different. And the new normal, good luck to you. The new yeah. normal is over in so many daily uh, parts of our life. And, you know, we have, we have a virus that has taken more than a half a million Americans, but we have a virus of our moral compass mm -hmm. in this country, which there is no vaccine right. right now. And we're the ones that have to work through it. Mm -hmm. And we see how incredibly complicated and gut-wrenching it could be. I, I was talking to a uh, D1 great athlete yesterday who's had one or two shots in the NFL. He believes he's going to have one more. But what really jumped out at me in the conversation, and I didn't know him before, was that his thought process was, I'm going to be told no to sooner than later. And I need to make plans for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And how many big time college athletes, men or women, They've never been told no. They've been so incredibly successful on what in whatever sport, and then life is going to tell them, "Thank you very much. No, you're you're not playing in the WNBA. Your days as a linebacker are over. You didn't quite make it." And that is a that's a challenge, I think, for college administrators and and everybody on that level. Is it not? Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right, Andy. And I think you know it behooves colleges um, to kind of prepare kids for that, right? Um, you know, one of the programs that um, I launched at the Big East is specifically geared towards women's basketball players because we know that you know the majority of the kids coming out of our league aren't going to make the WNBA. Um, so it's called transition game. Uh, so we really um, it's geared towards upperclassmen, juniors and seniors, and we bring them in. Uh, we bring in speakers to talk about the mental health aspect, to talk about you know, what's going to happen in an interview to talk to the critique. They have the opportunity to have one-on-one -on -one critiques of their resume. Um, so it's a really great program we've been doing for the last four or five years. And we've gotten lots of accolades and, you know, a lot of other coaches are clamoring, well, why can't you do it for our kids? And obviously we just don't have the bandwidth, but I would love to expand it to the, you know, entire. No, sounds like a great program that should get a lot more focus in the yeah. media. Um, because uh, as I said, when you're a star, from eight years old to 21, and then somebody says it's over from the athletic side, that can be very disorienting. Mm -hmm. Yep, you're right, you're right. Tracy, you brought something up earlier that uh, Andy said we would get to at some point later, and that's kind of that, that loss of logo, that loss of identity. Um, no, no shame in plugging that our, our book just- Jake, came. move your right shoulder. We can't see the book well enough. Yeah, okay. But, but Tracy, I mean, look, the, the concept of, of losing that identity of working in sports, right? We talked a little bit about it with mm -hmm. you and then coming back into it. What is that second, we'll wrap up with this. What is that second experience in sports been like different from the first? Hmm. Well, I, I mean, I, for me anyway, I, I feel like I'm a little bit more seasoned. <laughs> I feel sure, like, sure. you know, the, the, the beginning part was, was rapid fire. And I would say yes to doing anything. 
Um, I, I probably wouldn't do that. I, I know I don't do that now. <laughs> I'm very strategic about uh, assignments and choices and, and actually career moves. Um, and actually when I left Michigan State, I, I told my, my husband at the time, I said, I'm never working that hard again in my life. <laughs> I mean, I did everything there, uh, including summer camps, which meant, you know, while everybody else was golfing in the summer, I was still working. Oh, you don't just take six months off in education. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Aren't you on sabbatical every three yeah. years? Huh? Amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I think the work-life balance is a lot better um, the second go round uh, for me. Um, and I would say, you know, I, I can pick and choose my battles a little bit better. Again, that comes with experience. Um, as well. Rapid fire, Andy, you ready? Uh, I'm ready. Should I go first? Go for it. Okay. All the moments you've spent in sport, which one jumps out as your favorite? Um, two years in a row at NBA All-Star, I got a kiss from Dr. J. Oh, Roosevelt High School, Long Island. I went to Valley Stream South. Um, you know, people go, oh, Dr. J, did he play? Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. University of Massachusetts, who would have known? Small world, small world. Tracy, your favorite artist? Hmm, I would say Tasha Leonard. She's a gospel singer. Okay, uh, then um, if you had never gotten to OU, if you'd never been in sports, what would you be doing today? My dream job was to be a museum curator, but I could never master the foreign language. <laughs> if you could live anywhere in the world, you mentioned Spokane, where would you go? Paris. Paris. What about in the country? What about in the U.S. of A? Ooh, in the U.S. of A. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm, you know, bound to the Midwest a little bit. So somewhere in the Midwest, probably closer to family, not necessarily in Ohio, but closer to family. Can, can anyone who doesn't know Spokane or hasn't been in Spokane for, uh, you know, for a Zags game, can they understand what fan avidity is really about? I don't think so. I mean, uh, they're sold out every single game. Uh, staff line up at four or five o'clock in the morning to get a ticket. Um, kids camp out in tents to get tickets. Um, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Out of all the schools you worked for. And they don't have boxes. They don't have box suites, Andy. Yeah. It's, it's a town, it's a town square yeah. that everybody knows everybody. And even if they're not Kumbaya, they get along. Yeah. Tracy, yeah. Is the, are the Zags your favorite mascot of all the schools you work for? Um, I would have to say the, that Spartan's pretty cute. I would have to say Sparty. All right, fair enough. Oh, one last one. What's a female bobcat called in nature i have no idea I, I have no idea either should we we should know that right i would think a bobcat uh, i i think you're probably right but <laughs> we'll take that as a research and on uh 276 i think we'll have an answer or at least right. for doc, the doc higgins event 
Maybe I'll ask that as a question, Tracy. Yeah. Doc probably knows. He knows everything. Uh, he does. Right. Tracy, really appreciate your time, perspectives, journey. Um, I know I learned something. Hope, hope our listeners did as well. Thanks again for the time. Hey, podcast listeners. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com and enter the code LIFO30 at your checkout to get your brain fuel today.